episode of Simply Amazing, the official New York Mets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. My name is Andrew Claudio, the uh, penultimate episode to the season finale of Simply Amazing. And as most of you know, my second to last show on Simply Amazing. Uh, And I couldn't be happier in this episode where unfortunately we... Uh, officially put the nail in the final coffin of the Mets playoff hopes. I actually couldn't be happier to have on my brother from Gotham Sports Network. One final show that I get to say in the house we got Brett Herskowitz. Big baby Brett Herskowitz in the building. Although technically it's over Skype. So there is no building Uh, to be inside of. But Brett, Mm. long time no speak. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. All things considered, I'm good. You know, I uh, obviously I'd be better if the Mets were still in the playoff hunt, but I, I'm good. Yeah. How are you doing, Claudio? I'm good. I not to sound redundant, but I <laughs> like I said, it was, it's bittersweet that this coincides with my departure from Gotham. But I'm glad that you and I, Brett, get to do one final show together. You were my partner in crime for most of the last two years. Uh, talking about the Mets on Next Stop Will It's Point. And uh, we went to David Wright's final game together, and that's where I finally got to to prove that you have legs. Um, yeah, I, I'm I glad we get to talk about the Mets in podcast form for on a Gotham Sports Network podcast one more time, sir. It, it is a an honor and a privilege to be here with you today, Claudio. So I wish I could say this is a happy recap. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, there's there are positives to end the season, and like, yes, yes, we will just like get it out the way. The Mets were eliminated from playoff contention last night. As we are recording this, the Mets just put a two spot up in the sixth inning against the Marlins. Zach Wheeler was left in the game with nothing to play for except potential free agency, and he got a go ahead single to break a scoreless tie. Uh, we decided we would record our reactions to Pete Alonso's at bat because possibly it could be a Ugh. record tying home run that we get to hear. And instead, we uh, watched him strike out for the fourth time to, uh, mm. tonight as we were recording. Um, it's I mean, the dude is swinging for the fences on every swing. It's it's it. If it was the middle of the season, you'd be frustrated and say, hey, dude, like work working at bat. But you look at every time he comes to the plate he looks exhausted first of all he's clearly mm-hmm. needs a day off and then you look at the at bats he's just not trying to work a walk at all you know yeah so yeah. like at any time he gets a pitch out of the zone on three and two he's going to swing at it so um but yeah hopefully he gets to one if not two uh, more over the next four days please i i you know i i really feel like uh, in, despite the fact that I'm a Mets fan, and I think there's just an inherent level of cynicism that's built into being a Mets fan, obviously y- yourself and Tim aside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, it just feels like Pete's gotta get at least one more. Like this season has just been unreal for him. Mm-hmm. He has exceeded every expectation. You read every article that's, you know, uh, it, we're starting to see the. Uh, here are my picks for season ending awards articles. Jason Stark had his on the athletic today where he gushed over Pete for multiple paragraphs. And I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Like he has worked so hard to get to this point. You know, he's clearly worked on his defense. He's done all the right things and it would be so fitting for him at minimum to tie this record. Mm -hmm. He deserves it. 
I, I, I know, I know there's the whole juiced balls thing. I don't care because the distance he is hitting baseballs, uh, it's irrelevant. Yeah. I, I could count on like one hand how many home runs wouldn't have been home runs in yeah. in the, the non juice ball era. And like the balls were juiced in 2017 for Aaron Judge. And if you want to bring up the condition of the baseball, I'll just bring up the condition of the ballpark that Aaron Judge played 81 home games in. So juice stadium versus juiced ball deal. It, mm-hmm. it, it's irrelevant what you, yeah. you the argument. Let's go Astros. That's all I got to say to that. Um, <laughs> honestly, as honestly. far as the uh, the Mets season, and I guess we'll start with this question. I say start. We've been recording for like 15 minutes. Um, well, you know, the, the first official question. Exactly. Uh, will you look at this season as a disappointment because of the come and get us expectations or are you able to come away from this season as a positive with the hardware that they're going to take home, the over 500 record that they're going to finish with and the, the real positive steps that a lot of these young players took this season. Um, so, you know, when you posed this question earlier today, I, I, I did some soul searching because this has been, this has definitely been a a complicated and convoluted (laughs) season for the Mets. Right. I, I, I do see it as a disappointment because of all those positives. Mm. I, it's disappointing when you have the NL Cy Young, the NL Rookie of the Year, Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto having his most productive season from a, you know, a home run and RBI's perspective. Uh, the, the pitching came around, in the, at least the starting pitching came around in the second half. The bullpen shored up to a degree in the second half. It's disappointing knowing how many times the Mets shot themselves in the foot constantly over the first half of the season and you know and then in in sporadic you know in individual points during the second half you know it wasn't a consistent thing but just thinking about how close this team is to an actual playoff spot and knowing how many games they took themselves out of it's so disappointing and and I think part of that just goes with the fact that baseball seasons are so long it, it's just I, I I can't help but be disappointed knowing that a playoff spot was there for the taking. Yeah. And especially when you consider, I mean, you think about you think back to 2015, all we could talk about was the window, the window, the window. The window is here. The Mets have the young pitchers. Obviously, the the shape and size of the window has shifted over the last five years, but it still feels like there is a window open there. And, and I think there are a lot of great things that the Mets can build upon from this season. I mean, 100%, they need to be shooting for more than just making the playoffs next year. They need to really build upon this foundation and solidify this team going into 2020. But it's a bummer because with with the pitches they have, with the select hitters they have, all you need to do is get into the playoffs and anything can happen. Yeah. So knowing that, I can't help but be disappointed. Just I just imagine it. I like all I want is Jacob DeGrom pitching in big games in the playoffs. Like yeah. this dude has stones. He has he is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. We need to see him on the big stage. So I <laughs> I don't mean to to interrupt, but No, 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 please, please. Um the obviously we said we are recording this during the Mets game. Mm-hmm. Um top of the 8th inning, Zach Wheeler gave up a two-run home run to Tyler Henneman. I think he's the dude that got his first career base hit off oh, of DeGrom God. last night. Uh, to tie the game at two. I just got the update. <laughs> well, the very next batter, our old friend Curtis Granderson, and possibly his last ever at bat at City Field, 
also homered. So the Mets are now trailing three to two, and Zach Wheeler now leaves City Field for possibly the first, the last time uh, in a Mets uniform. Um, it's almost as if, oh wow, they're leaving him in. Okay, now you know that he's not coming back. By the way, yeah, because yeah. they know he's he's this is his last under contract start, so they're gonna let him go 150 pitches. I respect it. They're so transparent about what they're doing tonight. Um, oh well. Whatever. <laughs> I would I would have cared if this game mattered, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so obviously, uh, did you read the Joel Sherman article in, in the post about... Um, it's, it's honestly similar to what you just said about how yeah. so many things went right for this team, which is why it's such a disappointment that there's no October baseball as a result of it. You get the same number of All-Stars as the Yankees who are going to win close to 105 games this year. And you're not even in October. Um, the run that this team went on in the second half is unprecedented. They've had the, I think, the third best record in in the sport since the All Star break. Um, I mean, you just look at it; they were 40 and 51 at the All Star break. As of right now, they're 83 and 75. Like simple math, that's 43 and 24 in the second half of the season. Oh, that's good enough God. to be a first place team most of the time. <laughs> that winning like, percentage. I'm no mathematician, but you extrapolate that over 162 games. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's really good. And you add in the fact that they're going to get the Cy Young and the Rookie of the Year. The Astros are going to get the Cy Young and the Rookie of the Year. One team is probably going to win the World Series, and the other is going to be like four or five games short of a playoff berth. I'm also disappointed that the two teams ahead of them are going to the playoffs. The Two teams that they have similar records to in the second half of the season are the two best teams in baseball. And it's just another what if. Like, I will say this, though. The the people that are coming away with positives from this season, Mm -hmm. a la Tim, a la a lot of people that choose to look on the bright side of things and look at this as a young team that took gigantic steps forward. Yeah, I will say this was also one of the most fun seasons I ever had watching baseball. Just plain and simple. The first half was exhausting. And I think the reason it was so exhausting is because we saw the potential. We saw how good the lineup was. We saw how yeah. good the rotation and how healthy rotation was. And it was the the two o'clock blown saves, two o'clock in the morning blown saves against the Dodgers, the four o'clock in the morning Blown saves against the Giants. Bro, I was awake for all of them. Oh, my God. You're you're nuts. (laughs) To then this second half run, the 15 out of 16 that they went on, creating this this atmosphere at Citi Field. There's there's like a good seven games at Citi Field this year that felt like the World Series in 2015. Um, It's one of the most fun seasons I've ever had watching. Like last year was this weird season when they weren't actually that good, but... You had DeGrom doing what he did, and it all culminated with David Wright. And yeah. Yeah. it was it, this that, this one this year that was supposed to be like an anomaly in, in Mets Mets history. Then you have this year where you actually see a contender uh, blooming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like simple facts. Brett, do you know? I, oh, shit, I sent you the Google Doc, so I can't play this guessing game. Um, well, oh, yeah, go ahead. So the Mets in their history have won at least 85 games, which if they win two more, they'll have 85 wins. They've only done that, 85 wins in a season, 18 times. And they've only done it six times since the turn of the century. So in the last 20 years, the Mets have won at least 85 games six times. So needless to say, 
This usually doesn't happen a season like this where the Mets win <laughs> yeah, these this yeah. many games. So I will take it overall as a positive. It's like the year before you're good, you know, like kind of like 2005 or 97 where there's clearly talent. You just need to put it together. Um, yeah. The problem is, and I know you, you know this, I don't know what they're really going to be able to add to this team because there's so many people under contract for next year that if anything, I think they're going to subtract in losing Zach Wheeler and mm-hmm. losing, I think actually it might just be Wheeler as the big free agent. I swear to God, if they trade Syndergaard, that's a conversation for the offseason. Yes. Um, yeah. Although, you know what? It might come up later because there's another player that was rumored to be traded that we'll talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I also agree. It is a disappointment. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, like you said, it's bittersweet because you see the potential, and and I think I mean this really was such a unique season in my you know in our Mets fandom mm-hmm. over the years because it started with the come get us, it went to the they got us, yeah, <laughs> and actually I I forget the exact but Gary Cohen yeah he said it yeah the... what a legend last night he he just nailed it. I I don't I don't want to butcher it but yeah he went from come get us to they got us to. Two I, other solid. I can pull it up. Jacob Resnick of Mesmerized tweeted it out last night. Did he? Okay. Yeah. It, I was Hold just on. sitting there and I was just like, man, goddamn. I was like, what a legend. Um, Gary Cohen encapsulating the 2019 New York Mets now has me pondering the meaning of life. From come and get us to they came and got us to the summer of love to the autumn of discontent. Autumn of discontentment. That that is poetry right there. Thank you, Gary Cohen, for being amazing, but also putting one right through Mets fans hearts with your words yeah, sometimes. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, it, it's uh it, it that that really just sums up the season. It, it, there were a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of what the hell is going on. <laughs> but at the end, I feel like the season will be remembered as the Pete Alonso season. It will be remembered as the continuation of DeGrom's dominance. And I mean, hopefully we look back on this like you said, hopefully we look back on this 5 years from now as the start of uh, you know, a solid few year run of Mets playoff baseball. Yeah, I think it it really does depend who you are. If you are choosing to look at the the glass half full, then it's the season of Pete Alonso, like you said, the season of Jeff McNeil, the season of Degrom's second Cy Young, the the fifteen out of sixteen, like the mm. best baseball game I've ever been to. I went to this season that Friday night against the Nationals was the craziest time I've ever had at a baseball game. Yeah. And it's something I'll remember forever. Um, or you could look at a glass half empty and it's the season of Robinson Cano. It's the season of Edwin Ugh. Diaz. It's the season of Jared Kelenic, you know? Jerry's Familia. Yeah, like it, it really does depend how you want to look at this. And yeah, I yeah. can't even say either direction is wrong because this is a, a very interesting team going into the offseason. The one thing that I... I, I hopefully think we're going to get in a couple days is it's also the season that Mickey Calloway lost his job. And I, I think we'll get that. Yeah. It has to be that they were like, Hey, we're going to announce this now that we're taking your number because mm. your numbers, like we don't want it to be awkward that the day that you get fired, we, we announce retire yeah. it. Like, I think we'll just let you have a different number for a couple days, which as you notice yeah. is wearing like a pullover during games so like it doesn't matter Mm, yeah (laughs) so that's a good um, call yeah so one thing we do want to talk about it is a big positive is jacob Degrom, who probably sealed up his 
second straight Cy Young Award last night with seven scoreless innings. Um, I don't really know the argument against him anymore. I know technically like 0.02. Ryu has a lower ERA, but in every other metric, even the the analytics and the saver metrics, DeGrom's better. Um, Everything, everything. So I think DeGrom's going to win his second Cy Young. But I tweeted this out last night. I think we also have to start looking at how he tracks for the Hall of Fame. And I never thought I'd be that guy that pulls all the analytics and says, maybe we ought to start looking at this guy as a Hall of Fame pitcher from an analytic perspective. Um, I'm not going to go too much because I'm still me. But (laughs) what I did was DeGrom came up as a rookie in 2014 at the age of 26. He's now 31 years old. So what I did was I looked at the four, the last four pitchers to make the Hall of Fame, it's technically five because John Smoltz went in with Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez, but John Smoltz was a closer for most of that. So mm. I went from all of their age 26 to age 31 years. And I, I'm i not going to read this whole chart, Brett. Don't worry. Dude, but they, no, hey, first off, before you continue, this is, impre- this is impressive as hell, man. This is props to you. Well, you look at, so what I did was I looked at Mike Messina, Roy Halladay, Randy Johnson, and Pedro Martinez, and how their numbers from age 26 to 31, which you could argue is part of a pitcher's prime, um, yeah. all stack up against Jacob deGrom. And deGrom, between these five pitchers, is second in ERA, only behind Pedro. Second in whip, only behind Pedro. Second in fielding independent plus, which is also second behind... Pe- Pedro Martinez is really good, by the way, in case nobody <laughs> think- knows that. Uh, second in <laughs> yeah. K-9, through, excuse me, third in K-9 through nine behind Randy Johnson and Pedro, but DeGrom's was 10.3 per nine innings, and Randy Johnson's was 10.4. So think about that for a second. During the middle of Randy Johnson's career, Randy Johnson's is the best pitcher I've ever seen. Mm. Ever. Got one four straight Cy Youngs. Like, best pitcher I've ever seen. Um, Pedro's a close second, though. It's like Pedro, Randy Johnson. If I had a battery of, like, lefty-righty I wanted to have, it would be Pedro and Randy. Although, prime Kershaw not in the playoffs is up there, too. Um, all <laughs> that I, think, I, I think if you need a caveat, that says enough right there. Uh, listen, regular season Kershaw's up there too. Fine, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Uh, he'll, he'll come up in just a second. Um, the K through nine though, the Grom is third on the list behind Johnson and Pedro, and then in strikeouts, he's third behind Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez. So among these Hall of Famers, he tracks really well. Now let's look at the four other active Hall of Famers. The guys that are, in my mind, going to make the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah. So that's Max Scherzer. It's Justin Verlander, CC Sabathia, and Clayton Kershaw. So let's look at the four. Uh, these four guys, they're aged 26 to 31 seasons, which coincidentally, uh, Clayton Kershaw, this is his age 31 season. Really? Yeah. Clayton Kershaw is 31 years old. The, Clayton the, Kershaw's the same age as DeGrom? He was 23 years old when he won his first Cy Young, when he went 21-5 and five with the Dodgers. That is how Take, long he's been dominant. And you think about that, DeGrom was probably still fielding grounders at short yeah. at that point. Guy, <laughs> that, that's the thing that's unfortunate about DeGrom's career oh. is that he came up at 26, whereas Kershaw was in the majors at 20 years old. Um, so... Among uh, the four other active future Hall of Famers, DeGrom is second in ERA behind Kershaw. He's second in whip 
behind Kershaw. He's second in FIP. Here we go again behind Kershaw. Um, he is tied with Ooh. Kershaw for K through nine, and he's uh, third in strikeouts behind Scherzer and Verlander. Um, point being, these numbers are tracking. Like the Grom's only sample size is his age twenty six to thirty one seasons. Um, we're like three more seasons that aren't even like three straight more Cy Youngs. Because if he wins like four or five Cy Youngs in a row, yes, he is a Hall of Famer. This is the new Sandy Koufax. But it is not crazy to say that Jacob deGrom has now entered the possible Hall of Famer conversation, which is what I was implying last night. We -hmm. might be looking at the second homegrown Met to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I I um cuz so when when you brought this up to me like I I was I had already, you know, I feel like I'm not uh, this isn't like a unique thought that I had started considering this, but I had probably about a month, uh, maybe a little more than a month ago, I had texted my dad and I was like, "How much more until we start considering DeGrom up there with Seaver as far as best Mets pitcher of all mm, time?" Yeah. And the fact that my dad who was born in 1959 and who lived, you know, Seaver, you know, he is the franchise. Yeah. Tom Seaver is literally the greatest Met of all time. The fact that my dad, I don't remember his exact response, but it was essentially, yeah, if he keeps this up, like there'll be, a, we'll be talking about this. The fact that he said that, like for me, that just speaks volumes. Well, you, you look know, at like, the, he has 171 career starts and a 2.62 career ERA. Uh, that is .05 behind Tom Seaver all time on the Mets list because Tom Seaver and his Mets career had a yeah, 2.57 yeah. ERA. So he's another season like this away from passing Seaver for first all time in uh, Mets uh, for for ERA in Mets history. Um, Unreal. You look at the 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 Mount Rushmore debate that people like to have. My mm-hmm. Mets around Mount Rushmore. Is Seaver obviously David Wright? Yeah. Obviously, yep. um, I guess you got to put Piazza up there, but I would yeah. also like somebody from the '86 team represented. So I would, I used to always. We'll, we'll talk about retired numbers in a second too, but yeah, I would yeah, put yeah. Strawberry up there because he was there the longest. Well, I know there were yeah. two captains on the team at the, at the time. So if you want to put Carter or Hernandez on the Mount Rushmore, fine. Um, yeah, yeah. The Groms started to make a case because only one Mets pitcher has ever won two Cy Youngs, and it's Tom Seaver. And DeGrom might win them back to back. Yeah, well, and hey, so speaking of that, so I, I mentioned Jason Stark's article from earlier. Mm-hmm. I just want to read this list that he called out. I was like, man, this is beautiful. So he, he called out right now the only active pitchers to win back to back Cy Youngs are Serge, Ser, uh, Scherzer and, and Kershaw. A lot of shh in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the only other right-handers who have ever won at least two in a row. Ooh, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? How many are there? How many are there? One, two, three, four, five. Pedro. Correct. Clemens didn't win back to Clemens did win he, back to back in Clemens Toronto. went back to back twice. Yeah, he's a savage. That's uh, uh wow. Uh, Tim Lincecum. Correct. Two thousand eight, um, two thousand nine. And you said Scherzer's like not on this list, right? No. Yeah. The the, the those are the two active. Okay. Uh, so, so I got three. Are they like three, really yeah. old? The other two? You're you're missing one from the '90s and one from the '70s. Oh sh- shoot! One from well, the '70s one. I'm not gonna get. Uh, my mm. brain's not working that well. Yeah, right? that's uh, the one from well, who's the one from the '70s? Jim Wait, Palmer. Jim Palmer. I I was literally yeah. about to say either either Bob Gibson or Jim Palmer. <laughs> yeah, well, um, one of the two. 
From the 90s, uh, I said Pedro. Don't I overthink said, it. Is it Greg Maddox? It is Greg Maddox. Okay, who, there you who go. Won, Greg Maddox won four straight. 92 to 95. Jesus. Greg so, Maddox, if he threw the ball harder, would be up there oh with. Oh, my God. I just, I think if in today's Quest Tech, everybody has the umpire's bad calls on Twitter mm-hmm. era, I think Maddox and Glavin would be much different pitchers. That's all. Hey. Yeah. Point being, Jacob DeGrom, we <laughs> are witnessing yeah. history. We are witnessing. That, that's what it comes down to. An all time great Met that just is also an all time great pitcher. Uh, yeah. So cherish it, guys. That's all. That's the whole point of this conversation is that usually when the Mets have something good, it's solely in the Mets vacuum of, hey, he's a great Met. Well, guess what? This guy transcends this organization that, like I said, has only won 85 games six times this century. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out Jacob DeGrom. Congrats on a second consecutive Cy Young. Hey. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, SNY and... Up until this year, I didn't realize it's existed, but a large portion of Mets Twitter uh, had an article the other day pushing the narrative that the Mets should consider a trade of Michael Conforto. Uh, speaking of lists, and this is on MLB Network, so credit where credit is due, and this was this graphic was going around, but here is the list of players in Mets history to have 30 home runs, 90 RBIs, 80 walks in one season. Carlos Beltran, David Wright, he did it twice. Daryl Strawberry, he did it twice. Howard Johnson and Michael Conforto. I did this earlier this year, actually. The, the players in Mets history to have at least 25 home runs in three consecutive seasons. It's David Wright, Carlos Beltran, um, Mike Piazza, Piazza okay. and that's it. <laughs> like He's the fourth player to do it. All time. Oh, and Daryl Strawberry. Jesus. And Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, 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 Um, Like, guys, I get it that the whole, like, he's not great. He's just good. We should trade him. Why are we trading good <laughs> players then? That is the argument. Exactly. I don't it's get not, it at it's all. Not like, it's not like they have an excess of great players. They can just, uh, you know, oh, let's just ship off Conforto for what? A player of equal or, you know, re- similar-ish value? You know, like I, I, I saw the article and I was reading through it for a bit. And, you know, somehow I actually managed to simultaneously roll my eyes while reading it. So, like, shout out to my, you know, hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. But I uh, it's it's like if you consider Conf- like so Conforto batted some games sixth, you know, later in the season. Mm-hmm. If he's your sixth hitter, you're doing pretty well, you know. Like so like. He did that because he's had a rough September and then he had yeah, a couple good games in Cincinnati and then obviously this week against the Marlins and they moved him back stroke. up. Yeah. That's the flexibility of this lineup. But like like you just said, Michael Conforto for everybody's that still looks at batting average in 2019, right? Because that is actually one of the I mean, you you've known this because I feel like you had a front row seat to me being more open to advanced metrics. Yeah, um, no, sure. I just don't look at batting average anymore. I'm much more mm-hmm. on if you, how much you get on base, what's your on mm-hmm. your OPS. And Michael Conforto, even at the worst of his slumps, his OPS has been over 800 the entire season. I think it's been closer to 850 hey. the entire season. Whenever he doesn't, when he goes to one of these slumps, he 
finds ways to get on base regardless. And even despite this 250 average that he's had most of the season, those who still look at batting average, he still has 92 RBIs. He still found a way to be productive when he hits the ball. Um, like the, the nitpicking that the guy isn't Christian Yelich and the guy isn't Cody Bellinger. Fine. Mm-hmm. He's not one of the best players in baseball. He's not an MVP candidate that some of you unrealistically predicted he'd be at the end of the season. <laughs> He's also a borderline all-star. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you could do a lot worse than Michael Conforto in right field is all I'm saying. If you look at the numbers, he actually had a very similar year to Bryce Harper and a much bigger discount, too. Holy oh, shit. Could, what happened you could say to that, the Phillies? You could say that again. What happened to the Phillies? I, They're under I 500. Know, they just got swept five games by the Nationals. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, but like... They, Poetic they justice. They, they can't lose enough. Like, let them lose. And, yes. And, and, and the thing is, though, the only, the only downside is I can't wait to hear people say, like, oh, the, the Willpods don't need to spend more. Look what happened to Philadelphia. Well, they okay. spent a ton, which is do I, the Willpods need to spend more. Yes. Do I want I, them I, to I, hand out three hundred million dollar contracts? No, exactly. No. So that's it, it, the, that's the, the thing. thing is, it's smart spend. It's smart spending combined with, you know, uh, appropriate spending. Exactly. I'm not, yeah. That that's what I'm looking for, but yeah, no, it's it's uh no, it's great. Anytime a Philadelphia team tanks, uh, <laughs> I was about to say there's the, there's giant the, the fan Eagles, bias in here as well. <laughs> the Eagles' dream team in 2011, man. Hey, don't uh-huh. get me wrong. I I uh, Philadelphia teams can't lose enough, so I am plenty okay with the Phillies completely choking and just falling entirely out of any remote relevance this year. Yeah. Yeah, you add in the fact that the poetic justice of Bryce Harper having his season ended and watching the Nationals clinch yeah. at his expense while he was in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, I did hear that like the Nas- the Nationals fans got a bit uh, inappropriate when he was in right field talking about his son. Oh, keep it classy. Like you, you, you were having a moment and then you went full Toronto in game five <laughs> cheering for Durant as he tore his Achilles. Like be oh, better. Man. Like this, this is yeah. still sports at the end of the day. Um, but look, I enough about the, the, the whole point of this being like, you could do a lot worse than Michael Conforto in right keep field. It. And if you're going to get Bryce Harper's production in right, at a at a very significant discount because Conforto yeah. is Conforto's on the same clock as as Syndergaard, so he's got two more years of control. I mean, if you're gonna have this run over the next two three seasons where they're gonna try and win a championship, I'm mm-hmm. perfectly fine with Michael Conforto being my four through seven, a four through six hitter, three through six yeah. hitter. Yeah. So especially when you bring up all the other, like like you said before, all the other guys under contract, like. Take take guys on cheaper deals when you can. Yeah, guys who are going to give you guys production under, production under control, that far yeah. outweighs exactly production that far outweighs their current salary. I mean, you need to take advantage of that whenever you can. Bingo. Last but not least, so mm. the Mets announced <laughs> the Mets announced that Mickey Calloway will not be back next season. They <laughs> didn't go out and say it, but they did go out and. Hinted that uh, Mickey Calloway will um, not have number 36 anymore because the Mets are retiring Jerry Kuzman's number. Um, mm. So I actually have enjoyed the fact that the Mets are very strict with how many numbers they've retired because you look across yeah. town 
And Tino Martinez has his number retired with the Yankees. Um, and the Mets, on the other hand, have retired Gil Hodges, Mike Piazza, Casey Stingle, and Tom Seaver. Um, and Shea for William Shea, because it was Shea Stadium. Um, well, the Mets announced they're adding another number to the outfield wall next season that uh, Jerry Kuzman is going to have his number 36 retired um, in a ceremony next year. Uh, a lot of people assume that this was a bit of a deflection and a, a, a prediction of a, a future sellout by the Wilpons. Um, yeah. Look, I don't have any type of emotional connection to Kate, to to Jerry Kuzman. I I was negative. Like I know the joke is I was alive for Jerry Kuzman. No, like <laughs> yeah. like he actually like retired like eleven or so years before. Um, you, you, you were close- you were sc- now you were scouting him when he was pitching at Army still. Exactly, obviously, but he <laughs> retired like a couple decades before I was born. So, um, I I I don't have like an objection to it necessarily i have always wanted the mets to put a couple numbers up there but for the first one to be kuzman i like i thought the next number they'd retire would be david wright it just made the most yeah. sense yeah um but it now like if you're gonna be so lenient that jerry kuzman can get his number retired i think this opens the door for others so first things first brett were you okay mm. with jerry kuzman getting his number retired Sure. I, I agree. The timing, the, the timing and the order in, in which they're doing this definitely seems a bit odd. But, you know, again, he, he's a guy. He was the number two on the on the 69 World Series champions. He pitched for the Mets for 11 years. He, he has a lifetime three, three thirty six ERA, three thirty six ERA. Like that, yeah, like he, he was a faithful servant to the club and a very good pitcher who came close to a Cy Young in the mid 70s and, and who did a lot for the Mets, you know, so like. I have no issue with it. I, yeah. I know my my dad. I've listened to my dad speak fondly of him over the years. I, I think the timing is definitely a bit odd, but I, I have I have no issue with it because I agree. I, I while on one hand I enjoy that the Mets don't let everyone and their sister to get their number retired. Right. Uh, at the same time, it, it's nice to start seeing some other guys get recognized because the franchise has been around for going on sixty years. You, you need to start recognizing some of the all time greats. It's always bugged me that they. Um, that they don't have anybody from the 86 team represented or just yeah. even from the 80s, yeah. really. I know Seaver came back in 83, but they really didn't have anybody represented and, from and, and a golden era in franchise history, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so this obviously has now sparked some debate among Mets Twitter and a number of Mets faithful uh, who should be next. And I figured we'd go through the the most likely candidates. And even if... Even not likely, just the guys who do definitely have a case. Mm-hmm. I am not going to spend any real breath on this podcast talking about David Wright. The reasons are obvious. <laughs> David Wright will have his number retired yeah. in the not-too-distant future. Um, a lot of people suggested Keith Hernandez. He was a captain on the Mets. Uh, he was the 86, an 86 champ. Uh, he's second all-time on the Mets for batting average, third in on-base percentage, and sixth in career war with the Mets. Um, I think he's the greatest defensive first baseman of all time. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And again, representation of the 8016. I'd be perfectly fine if number 17 was retired. What about you? No issue with me. No issue with me, especially if the criteria is, you know, up until this point was they need to be a Hall of Famer to get their number retired. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, Hernandez 
it was widely considered to be the the greatest fielding first baseman of all time, and, and he is a borderline Hall of Famer. I, I mean, he, he's a faithful servant to the club. I, I would have no issue with his number getting retired. Agreed. Uh, the another another one that has been suggested has been Gary Carter, which unfortunately would be posthumously. Yeah. Um, another captain, another '86 champ. Guy got the single to start the rally in Game Six. Um, was really the emotional leader on that team, like, mm-hmm. like the guy, the 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 catcher of that electric pitching staff in '86. Um, guy had 100 RBIs in '86. Like I, I keep saying '86 because like his he was here for like a cup of coffee. That's the thing. Yeah, like, yeah, having that, Gary yeah. Carter up there, it's really sentimental to one of the teams two championships and if yeah. we're gonna have jerry kuzman up there because he contributed to 69 you might as well have carter up there because he contributed to 86 you know yeah but then i i i think it, it's one of those things where because it's such an arbitrary decision mm-hmm. I, I i don't know because i i feel like again you, you want to go beyond just, hey, you made the Hall of Fame, so we'll retire your number. But then right. it's like, wh- where do you draw the line? And I'm not saying Carter necessarily shouldn't. But like you said, he, he was he was on the team for a certain number of years. He went into the Hall as an expo. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things where if you let him in, who else then do you – should you, in theory, also let in? Well, that know? is a great transition. Uh, he is 25th all-time in career war with the Mets. That's how little he was here. Um, so I mean, yeah. Like, there you go. The guy That's... only accumulated eleven point four WAR in his four seasons with the Mets, uh, five seasons with the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, which then brings me to Carlos Beltran because <laughs> you want to talk about the opposite. <laughs> I mean, Beltran was here for six and a half years. Mm-hmm. His first year. Now, like this is when very nerdy. Don't go hang out with friends because the Mets are playing on Friday night. Claudio kicked in, so the entirety <laughs> of like Carlos Beltran's Mets career, I watched closely. Yeah, the 05 yeah. season, he got hurt in April and played through it the entire season, which is why when you look at his career, there is this weird season in 2005 where he had an OPS under 800 and only 16 home runs. Um, mm-hmm. And he still played like a stellar outfield, but he was a very below average player that season. Um, then from 06 to 08, he was the best center fielder in baseball. Got 41 home runs in 2006. I, regardless of what people want to talk about, with the one pitch that he looked at in the in the in the NLCS, like he would have yeah. been if he gets a double there, he's the NLCS MVP. You oh. can't have one pitch or one at bat reflect on how you judge an entire contribution of a player. Um, For sure. That being said, it's the most devastating loss of my life. So I don't. Uh, want to talk we, about we can. It. Well, we can move on. We can move on. Yeah. Okay. Um, 07 and 08, he's literally the only player that was consistently hitting down the stretch as they were collapsing, and he has the last ever home run at Shea Stadium. Um, You add in that he was a five-time All-Star with the Mets, a two-time Gold Glover with the Mets, and then you go through all of the Mets' all-time lists. Mm -hmm. Um, He's third in Team War, fourth in OPS, fifth in Slugging, sixth in Home Runs and On-Base Percentage. Seventh in RBIs and doubles, eighth in run scored. He's in the top ten, just about every offensive category. And then there's this weird c- condition on his career that he's probably gonna go into the Hall of Fame wearing a Mets cap. Yeah, his three best yeah. seasons, according to WAR, are 
with the Mets. Those are the with three the, seasons from 06 to 08. Yeah. I, because I looked at it without, without actually going through his stats and how important of a Met he actually was. Mm-hmm. The initial reaction is Carlos Beltran. Like he wasn't even like the most important Met on that team. Like that was David Wright's team. That was, that was Wright yeah. and Reyes. And like, then we got Santana. Like, what are you talking about? Carlos Beltran. Yeah. And then you look at how consistent he was. Oh my God. His, his numbers. I got to be honest, my argument against it was that we're talking about what really is five full seasons, four full seasons, because you get those yeah. three from 06 to 08, the first half of 09, and then the first half of 2011 before he got traded. Yeah. So you yeah. put those two halves together, you make four full seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about four years, you also get like Carter, where you're really going to talk about four years for him, just one of those ended with a championship. I got to say, it probably stacks up that Carlos Beltran should have number 15 retired if we're going to start under these new rules of being more open about who they retire. What do you think? I, I Again, I I, th- I I think I agree that if we're letting Carter in, I think we need to, at minimum, strongly consider Beltran. But, you know, it's not to make a football reference, which I so often do, but like I think of like Terrell Davis, mm. where like he, he had his whatever six, seven years in the league where he just was flat out dominant and he got in the hall of fame because at his peak, he was the best running back in the league. Yeah. We're right there. You look at Beltron at his peak for the Mets. He, he's an all time Met. So I think it just depends on if it's a question of longevity versus what production, you know, I, I think that's what, that's why I look at someone like Kuzman who was with the team for he had 11 years with the team. He had, you know, solid stats throughout. He had the championship. I, you know, the championship just weighs so heavily. So I mean, I, 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 I again, I, I, again, it's because he. If we're if we're focusing on the peak and Gary Carter yeah. gets in, gets his number retired. If anything, just as an apology for how shitty Met fans were to him, and and <laughs> how yeah yeah like, they took that one pitch and held it over his head for the next couple of years. There's some mm-hmm. very embarrassing and coded monologues on talk radio throughout the mid 2000s about Beltran, like calling him lazy when it's like, no, he's just really graceful as he runs. Like Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't, you know, live and die with every pitch because he knows it's a long season. You have to make it through an entire season. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) um, I think I will be much better with Beltran make getting his number retired. If, and this is my caveat, my next mm-hmm. candidate is Daryl Strawberry. Mm. Um, I know that things ended uh, less yeah. than amicably between him and the Mets in 92. Yeah. I know that he made comments a couple years ago, uh, kind of uh, talking about the Mets and how things ended and how ownership has run things. I get it. If you look at Daryl Strawberry's career with the Mets, a seven-time All-Star, uh, Rookie of the Year, Three top six MVP finishes, twice of which were runner-up, uh, second in career war, first in home runs, second in slugging, OPS, uh, RBIs, third in run <laughs> scores, fourth in total bases. He is the third best offensive player this franchise has ever had. Not like in yeah. ability, but in con- contributions to the franchise. It goes Mike Piazza, David Wright, Carlos, uh, uh, Carlos Beltran, <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip, uh, Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. 
So yeah. I would like to see 18 retired if we're retiring Carlos Beltran. If, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah, that, that's my take, at least. You, you, look, you look at all. I mean, you just, yeah. uh, Claudio, like I, I lost count of how many stats you just riled off where he is in the top, you know, six or seven. Bro, top three. It's <laughs> in top three so of like, everything. Like, come on. I, I I don't really think there's an argument here, especially if, if you're going to heavily weigh the he he won the World Series with the Mets, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other 86 champ, as far as offense goes, is uh, Howard Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. He did have. Did you know that Howard Johnson had two top five MVP finishes as a Met? I I knew he had one huge year, but I didn't realize he had two. Yeah, he's the only uh, I think home run king, like the only Met to yeah, ever yeah. be the home run king. Uh, in '91, he led the home led the league in home runs and RBIs. I think that's the stat. He's the only Met ever yeah. to lead the majors in home runs and RBIs. Chicks um, dig the long ball, man. I mean, I'm not. That's actually where I draw the line is Howard yeah. Johnson. Like he's flashing the pan guys that were there through the bad yeah, years. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, 100%. I saw a lot of people saying John Franco. Uh, I know he was a captain with the Mets, but I just don't know a, a person, a Mets fan that's like, yeah, I, you know who I loved? John Franco. Like I get it. He's first in saves. I thought we stopped caring about that stat years. Jerry's Familia is third. Uh, is he really? Yeah, he's third all time on the Mets in saves. It goes, I guess ha- I guess goes, what uh, John Franco, Armando Benitez, and Jairus Familia. I was say Benitez is definitely second. I was say please uh, don't bring saves as your argument when Benitez is oh, second. Man. You know, uh, what do you think, Franco? You I don't know. Up you, know there. you know, he, he again. He, he was the captain. He saved a shitload of games. I, I, I think it's tough because. Number retirement goes beyond just bit like Hall of Fame. You at least have some sort of parameters in which you should work. Yeah. But number retirement could be any number of reasons. So it's like so, New York guy that grew up a Mets fan. Because that, exactly. that's the David Wright narrative, you know? Yeah. I, don't so, know. I would I would draw the line at John Franco. I wouldn't be on board with yeah. that. I get that. Maybe if someone who watched him through, I guess, what was his prime as the Mets closer would be able to tell me differently. With aren't like most of his career saves also with the Reds? Isn't like there's this he's he's holding Plus, back yeah, somebody yeah. in the fight and the Mets fought the Reds in '86. You know, like he's on the Reds yeah, side yeah, of that hey. brawl. <laughs> um, Which is fun. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't have a case for Ron Darling. Literally, what I wrote was he won the World Series in 1986 yeah. and he works for SNY. I love don't. love your love your Ron. Um, Ed Cranepool is if we're giving out retired numbers for attendance. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's the all time yeah. leader in or I guess second in games played and like first in at bats and stuff. But he really is just like if the Yankees were which is gonna be interesting if they actually do this, if the Yankees decide to retire Brett Gardner, like the longevity award mm. of you were here a really long time, sure, we'll retire God. your number. That would be um, such a Yankees move. Yeah. Like, I think Ed Cranepool, I think the one thing he does lead the Mets in is pinch hits, which I don't know what that what means. An, it might actually be odd... Rusty Staub. Uh Regardless, I am I would be against, if we're going to retire the Ed Cranepools of the world, then retire Bud Harrelson. Go back and retire yeah. Tommy Agees. Like, yeah, you then have to start retiring exactly. guys' numbers that way, too. Um. There's an awkward conversation we have to have. Uh, there's two, actually. Um, there's Doc Gooden. 
85 set. Look, from 84 to 86 is up there for the best run a pitcher has ever had. Uh, like, it's it's Koufax-like. Period, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, he's second all-time in wins. He's second... Oh, second all-time in wins. For the Mets in wins. Second in, mm-hmm. in pitcher war. Um, after DeGrom, he's the third best pitcher in franchise history. Yeah. I know he's had his problems, and if anything... I don't know. I'd like to see. See, I don't want to put a condition on if you clean your life up. Then, although didn't like a report come out a couple weeks ago that he's now sober. I, I honestly, I can't keep up with it. I thought I heard something like two weeks ago that was not good. So I, it's the I, opposite. I don't even yeah, um, I don't even know. Obviously, we're coming at this a little bit speculative. Yeah, but I think that's because he's been such a wild card over the last decade or so like it in one case he's getting into the Mets Hall of Fame and then he's back in rehab and then he's in a documentary about Doc and Daryl and then yeah. he's back in rehab and then he's uh, behind home plate for all of DeGrom starts and all of Matt Harvey's starts and then he's back in rehab and it's I mean the unfortunate thing about addiction is this is what it looks like but yeah I don't want to put a condition that clean yourself up will put you uh, we'll retire oh, yeah. your number. No, no, no. Yeah, I yeah. do think there is a very strong case for Doc Good, and if we're just gonna just start retiring a bunch of guys that were on the '86 team, he's he's got to be strongly considered at least. He's like the fourth most important player from that team, you know. So yeah, I yeah, I, I think there's another thing where like 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 you said, he his peak is arguably unmatched. Yeah, or if not unmatched, it, it is on par with. Any other, you know, three-year run for a Mets player, period. Yeah. Um, the last one, it's an awkward <laughs> conversation because he actually does have a compelling case. It's just never going to happen. Um, yeah. And it's Jose Reyes. Uh, I hate to tell you this, guys, but he's one of the best Mets ever. <laughs> it's like plain and simple. <laughs> he's a four-time I mean- All-Star. He got the team's only batting sti- batting title. He's the f- he's fifth in war. Uh, second, second, like top two in hits, doubles, total bases, run scored, and first in stolen bases and triples. Good God, man. He will never see, get his number retired. I would, would not be surprised if he's like never invited back to City Field. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's it's just one of those. Uh, yeah. Reti- like maybe if you retire his number, but let his wife give the speech. It's literally the only hmm. way I see this happening. I gotta be Interesting. It's literally the only way I see this happening. Interesting. Like, has anybody ever been booed during their number retirement ter- ceremony? I would venture to guess no. No? Okay. I don't mean to make jokes of, like, domestic <laughs> no, of course, violence, of course. obviously, but it's just, it's never going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't know. Make life choices. Make good life choices, kids. They, they will pay off in the future. Um, okay. That's really all. Did you have anybody else that you wanted to add to the list or that I cover everybody? No, I, I feel like you covered everyone. You covered all the guys in the eighties. I, I, cause I think when I first thought of retired numbers, my, my head immediately went to the eighties because I was like, you, you know, when you think of who you're retiring, you, you got to immediately go to, I mean, when you talk about Mets history, <laughs> you got to immediately go to the two world series championships. Yeah. Yeah. And I you got to go from there. So no, I, I don't think there was anyone else that really stood out to me. Do we want to predict who he gets next? So we got Kuzman next year. Uh, honestly, um, I, I would love if they just expedited it and uh, retired Wright's number. So you think Wright goes after Kuzman? I, I, I just think it'd be 
he he is the most obvious choice to go to be. He's the most obvious pick. You know, like we went through all of these players. You laid out all of these cases. Wright's case was it's David Wright. Yeah, like I agree. I just I didn't know like the timing of how they're gonna do it. You know. Well, like, yeah, will yeah, he be sure. the 2021 sure. guy that they retire his number? You know. Oh yeah, timing wise, I have no idea, but I think it. You know, sequentially, I I, I feel like Wright's a, a perfect candidate to have go after to have his number retired after Kuzman, just because again, Wright is the obvious choice. I agree. Um, after that, I will say they do Keith Hernandez. Uh, that'd be awesome. So we're Love at Keith. 2022 Keith Hernandez. Um, then in 2023, Carlos Beltran is eligible for the Hall of Fame. Ooh. So there's little, your four. Little double dip. Little yeah. double dip. So you go the next four, I think they go Kuzman, Wright, Keith Hernandez, and then uh and then they go Carlos Beltran. Yeah. And then from there is when we can start now that the, the guidelines have been softened a bit, I think yeah. you can start yeah, yeah, getting yeah. more open. Maybe by then some people whose personal lives need to be cleaned up a bit can I, I really would be okay with Doc Gooden. I think I've I've talked myself into it. Like Doc and Daryl <laughs> together getting the numbers oh, retired would actually be man. really cool Ooh. if they were to do that. And honestly, if they did Keith and Gary Carter, like have Gary's son, I think he has a son. Um, like have Gary's family be part of the the ceremony on a Gary Carter retirement. That would actually yeah. be pretty cool. Yes, it would. Um, but yeah, this is a new world now. The Mets are very open to retiring numbers, so we'll see. The, the Will Pond is trying to do something right for the first time in a long time. Yeah, let's see if they can literally do anything else right. And <laughs> let's not, let's not much push better it. Things Baby will steps. Um, okay, I think that wraps it up. The Mets lost, by the way, while we were recording this episode. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, un, this is the first meaningless game in September. So, unfortunately, it does not matter. Um, this has been simply amazing. Uh, not even just talking about this podcast. This hey. uh, partnership, my friend, has been simply amazing. Um, I don't want to get too sentimental because I don't think the listeners want to hear that. But I will just <laughs> say that uh, I love this dude right here. And one of the cool things about working at this blog for the last couple of years has been the connections that I've made with so many dudes like him and and with the risk of me saying dudes one more time, uh, <laughs> dude, you have uh, been awesome. And thank you for your work ethic, your uh, desire to contribute to content as often as you have. And dude, I'm, I did it one more time. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, I'm going to miss doing this pod with you. Right back at you, Claudio. Love you, brother. Please. Yeah. I, uh, I I appreciate you letting me come on the pod in the first place because otherwise it's just me talking to myself in the shower and stuff. So this is uh, it's You're... it's nice to do a little Mets therapy every so often. And I for a while it was that the Mets get to distract you from the Giants, but now you Ooh. have the best quarterback Ooh. in the in the world, Danny <sighs> Dimes. Holy shit. The boy. Yeah. The boy. I mean, that, one more time. That dude. Ooh. Um, imagine, imagine bad mouthing that pick at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Me. Who would do such a thing? Now Definitely. imagine, listen, like that was with Saquon out in the second half last week. Yeah. Now imagine what's going to happen when he gets a healthy Saquon and Odell next to him on the field. It's going to be an incredible offense that the oh, Giants okay. put together. Guys, jeez. Claude, My really quarterback has mono. I'm allowed to make fun of yeah. you. Oh no! Hey, please, of course. <laughs> okay, of course. you gotta do what you got. Hey, at least 
big win for the Jets this week. They can't lose this week. Yes. They, although I heard hey, the, hey. The, the running joke that Beningo on WFN has been saying, dude, we yeah. get it. It was funny the first time. The buy exactly. is favored by three. Well, hey, but Said the, Monday, but the thing is, every day in all seriousness, it is a win for the Jets because that's that's another that's a week off without Darnold. You know, so yes. let Darnold get back. Yes. Although they they play the Eagles next, they've never beaten the Eagles. Literally, never beaten the Eagles. They're zero well, eight hey, all time against the Eagles. I'll be I'll be rooting hard for the Jets, baby. Let's go. And then they play the Cowboys, arguably the best team in the NFC. Uh, I know you don't want to admit it, but they're actually really good. Yeah, but they they, they got to play a, a actually good team first. But yes, they are. They played the Giants. Football. Danny Dimes. They didn't. Hey, they're lucky they didn't face Danny Dimes. <laughs> I agree with you, but in that case, doesn't that apply to the Patriots? Three teams the Patriots face are zero and three. Yeah, but the Patriots have a more 9, consistent track record. The, the Patriots the also. Patriots, yeah. The Patriots, the Patriots. So All right, this is becoming a football podcast. <laughs> uh, this has been Simply Amazing, the official New York Mets podcast of Gotham Sports Network in collaboration with Mets Prized Online. Uh, the final show of the season will come out Monday morning. Tim and I will be handing out end of season awards as, once again, my final show with Gotham Sports Network. Um, Brett, it has been a pleasure. Thank you to everybody that has listened to us, whether it be this show or the previous show over the years. I greatly appreciate it. Check out all the other Gotham Sports Network podcasts. In the meantime, brand new NYG Weekly came out this week that Mm -hmm. talks about the incredible Danny Dimes. There's also an episode of the Jetstream that came out that's... Day Stink <laughs> is the title. So shout out to Jesse and Connor who used a Mets reference to talk about the Jets. Strangely, it applies. Um, until next time, guys. Take care, Brett. I love you, buddy. Love you too, brother. Take care, everybody. And in the words of the immortal Gary Cohen, we are out of here. Yeah!